Hi everyone, welcome back to Cup of Tea with Rick G. And today we're going to be talking about the looming tenant fee ban policy that is likely to be coming in on June the 1st. And what I've done is I've taken all of the legislation and I've sort of, gosh, kept me up all night reading it because it's not easy reading. And I thought you as our podcast audience may benefit from some of the bullet points that I've taken from the tenant fee ban that will either affect you or prevent you from doing certain things in the future. So um, there's lots and lots that we need to consider and I've just really done the bullet points. The main things that I think you need to know that will help you manage your business moving forwards. So here we go, my interpretation of the main points that I think will affect us. So come the 1st of June, both private landlords and agents can no longer charge fees to tenants. Now, to begin with, when this policy came out, we thought it was just going to affect agents and not private landlords, but that's not the case. It affects both. So it's both private landlords and agents can no longer charge fees to tenants. And predictions are that this could have a massive saving of around about £240 million a year in tenant fees. Wow. That's a massive amount. So when the ban comes into place on the 1st of June, we can't charge fees like we used to for things like reference checks, uh, deposit registration, administration for um, tenancies. So before we'd say we'd have an administration fee that's non-refundable, we can't do that anymore. And of course, for referencing. So we can no longer do that. And the landlord can't enforce any additional product or services in order to attempt to recoup these costs. So what does that mean? It means that you can't force a tenant to um, enlist a third party to allow them to get a tenancy. So you can't say to a tenant, you must get your own credit score or your own credit reference before you can have a tenancy with us. That would be unlawful. You're not allowed to try and bypass this legislation by asking the tenants to provide it themselves. Um, the landlord can't enforce any other additional product unless it's listed in the legislation and on the contracts, so such as utilities um, and payments to a billing authority such as council tax and TV license, etc. So that's lawful provided it's listed in the legislation. So we can still charge tenants for their own utilities and they can still be responsible to pay their own council tax and TV license provided it's listed on the contract. So rents and deposits are not really affected too much and they can be paid as normal. Uh, deposits are capped at five weeks rent or if the annual rent is £50,000 or more, then the deposit can be capped at six weeks rent. So I'm going to go through that again for you. So um, deposits are capped at five weeks rent or if the annual rent is £50,000 or more, then the deposit can be six weeks rent. Now, what we have got, and this is kind of something that I was quite concerned with, because what we need here are um, 
some kind of commitment from the tenant moving forward. So when they take their room, currently before the tenant fee ban, we are allowed to take administration fees and that's the commitment that the tenant would give to us to hold the room. And I was concerned that this was gonna be taken away and what would we have in place? So we are allowed to charge a holding deposit. So the holding deposit is a maximum of one week's rent. And the person taking the holding deposit must repay it within seven days of the landlord and tenant entering into the tenancy agreement or the landlord deciding not to enter into the tenancy agreement. Let me go through that again. So we are allowed to take a holding deposit up to a maximum of one week's rent. The person taking the holding deposit must repay it within seven days of the landlord and tenant entering into the tenancy agreement or if the landlord decides not to enter into the agreement and you must pay it back. Now there are some exceptions here. So with the consent of the person paying the holding deposit, it can be used to pay towards the first month's rent or towards the tenancy deposit, which will then need to be registered in the normal manner. So it can be used to go towards the first month's rent or the deposit, but that would need consent from the person giving deposit to you. Holding deposits can be retained by the landlord or the agent in the following circumstances. Number one, the landlord is prohibited by immigration to allow the tenant a tenancy. So they've failed their right to rent checks. And that brings on another argument because at the time of recording this podcast, we did have a high court ruling last week to say that potentially the right to rent program, the right to rent legislation has been deemed as being racist. So um, but let's see what happens with that. But at the moment, it's still in force. So holding deposits can be re- retained by the landlord or the agent in the following circumstances. Number one, the landlord is prohibited by immigration to allow the tenant a tenancy. Number two, the tenant decides not to enter into a tenancy agreement or fails to take steps to do so within the agreed time. So that means that the tenant, if for whatever reason they decide not to go ahead or they don't do as much as they could do within the agreed time, then you can retain the holding deposit. And then number three, if the tenant provides false or misleading information. So there are three elements there that will allow us to withhold or retain the holding deposit. And that kind of still gives us a small element of security. And it means that you know we've still got something that we can fall back on. So that's quite positive. And then we've got payments for defaults in the tenancy are also permitted under certain circumstances. So payments for defaults in the tenancy are permitted under certain circumstances and one of them is if the tenant loses their keys or causes damage to any security system and only the cost of replacement can be claimed and the landlord would require proof of any extra payment on top which would be unlawful. 
So let me go through that again. Payments for defaults in the tenancy are also permitted under certain circumstances, e.g. tenants' loss of keys or damage to any security system, and only the cost of replacement can be claimed, and the landlord would require proof, and any payment on top would be unlawful. We are allowed to charge late payments, so late payment charges are permitted after 14 days from the due rent date, which is capped at 3% above Bank of England rates. So late payments are permitted after 14 days of the tenant being late, and they are capped at 3% per annum above the Bank of England rates. Wow. I don't know where they get these figures from, folks. I don't know how they think that is helpful to us. However, it is what it is. That's the legislation. And the next element I've picked out here is that early termination of contract fees can be charged to the value of the loss to the landlord in the following circumstances. Number one, at the tenant's request of early termination before the end of a fixed term. And number two, in the event of a tenant failing to give the correct contractual notice during a periodic tenancy. So I'll just recap on that for you. Early termination of contract fees can be charged to the value of the loss to the landlord in the following circumstances. Number one, at the tenant's request of early termination before the end of a fixed term. And number two, in the event of a tenant failing to give the correct contractual notice during a periodic tenancy. There is also um, an allowance for you to be able to charge a £50 fee to change or uh, vary a current tenancy agreement. So changes to and variations to tenancies can be charged up to £50. If it's more than £50, then the landlord will need to demonstrate the value of the cost. So there we have it, folks. So there's lots of things to digest there. Um, it's not all doom and gloom. There are still things that we can do. But, you know, I think fundamentally um, it's the, the fees up front that, you know, we've, we've not allowed to charge anymore. We're not going to be able to do it moving forwards. Whether it's right or wrong, not here really to, you know, to give an opinion on that. What I'm trying to do today is just give you those bullet points. I'm sure that as we get used to this legislation, it's still very new. Um, it's not coming in until June, but we've got plenty of time now to plan forwards and to be able to, you know, protect our businesses and make sure that we don't breach. Now, there is a little caveat here that does say if you do charge any unlawful fees, you will not be able to evict under Section 21 until you've paid those unlawful fees back. So, you know, and there are also quite heavy penalties as well for people that, you know, don't take this into consideration. Um, I haven't listed the penalties on here, but they are quite big. So there you have it, folks. Hope you found that useful. It would be absolutely awesome for us and everybody that's involved in the podcast and putting the information together. If you could leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, really helps us move forward. It helps us with our motivation and also helps us um, you know, put the podcast out there to attract other people as well. So thank you for listening, folks, and catch you on the next one.